and I'm going to trigger Hannah. <laughs> Free Ubers for everyone that lives out in the countryside at that price. <laughs> anyway, we've lost chips. A massive blanket benefit. The cheese truck has gone past and distracted him. It's been quite fast and furious. My fingers are tired. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Single Track Podcast listeners. Welcome to another weekly podcast from Single Track World magazine. Now, I'm aware that we've actually got an awful lot of new listeners of late. So what we're going to do is we're going to go around the table, do some... Um, more detailed introductions. So starting with me, I'm Mark Olka. I'm co-founder and publisher here at Single Track Magazine. I'm Hannah Dobson. I'm the managing editor at singletrackworld.com. Uh, I'm Amanda Wishart, the art director at Single Track World Magazine and singletrackworld.com. And I'm Chips Chippendale <laughs> and I am editor-at-large and co-founder of Single Track World, all the bits and pieces, currently coming to you from our south of france office we're all really united on the brand <laughs> right well first of all what we're going to do now you've had the introductions is we're going to start with our news in brief so this is where we discuss a few of our favorite or notable stories that we've run on the website singletrackworld.com uh, this week so i'm going to kick off first of all with a, a bit of a sad story and that is that there is a distributor in the UK, a distributor of bike parts, or if you don't know, basically the distributor's job is to take all the products that come out of factories, stick them in a big warehouse, and then provide those and to all the bike shops and dealers and websites around the UK. There's quite a few distributors. There's some that you'll have probably heard of, some that you won't. Uh, many of you have probably heard of Madison, which is one of the, well, I think it is the largest UK distributor of cycling parts. But there are others, and one of those, a distributor called More Large has actually gone into administration this this week, I think it is. That's a sad story. Administration isn't technically the end, 
but it's highly likely that it is. So we ran a story on that, which we put into an ongoing story that we keep updating whenever these issues in the bike industry arise, called Tracking the Health of the Bike Industry in 2023. We've never really done this before in previous years, but it just seems that this year in particular, there's so much going on that we decided that we'd do one big story and just keep updating it. And this week's update uh, is about more large. And it's uh, the press release read, the UK's largest family-owned supplier and distributor of bicycles, More Large and Co, filed a notice of appointment to appoint an administrator in the High Court today. And that was the 13th of March. So it's sad because it's a family-owned business. That's always kind of sad in many ways, but but it's more sad for the fact that there's a whole bunch of uh, people who work in the bike industry who are finding that they're now out of work. So, like I said, sadly, this is kind of a bit of a trend this year. I mean, there's been, if you go and have a look at that story, you can see that there's updates going back. And it's only March. And there's so many updates in that story. About I missed things one. That are, what did you miss? And we see this, this story has been regularly updated by Hannah herself. So this is where Hannah comes in and tells us about this. Yeah, I missed, missed last week. Uh... Zwift laved off um, like 15% of its workforce, which I think is following their new managing director who used to work for, I think, Amazon coming in. Um, so it's like a big restructuring, but it's mostly marketing jobs that seem to have gone, apparently. But yeah, I've seen quite a lot of people on LinkedIn saying goodbye to Zwift and looking for new challenges and open to work. And yeah, a lot of people from more large as well happening all times. over for different reasons i guess zwift will say it's a restructuring and a refocusing and that kind of thing whereas obviously more large is well run out of cash presumably it's only a year since the management bought it out from uh, the original owner crikey it's pretty sad so anyway keep keep an eye on that new story as we update it we'll bump it to the top of the page on the website and uh, you can you can keep abreast of all the things that are happening in the bike industry uh, right, well, that was my notable story. It's a sad one to kick off with. Have we got anything more upbeat than that? Hannah, Hannah's what have you never got? upbeat. Sort of, well, mine was intended to be upbeat. <laughs> I was intended to be upbeat. I did a big rundown of all the full suspension bikes that are available in size extra small, which took ages. I even had to email some of the distributors and say, which bikes do you bring in? Which models do you bring in in extra small? Because it is not easy to go onto the sites and filter by extra small. So the idea was to give people a the uh, the shorter end of things, a starting point for the bikes that might fit them. And a bunch of people complained that extra small, small didn't mean that it actually fitted you if you are small, which I know, but like you've got to start somewhere. So there is a list on the site of extra small full suspension bikes. There's your starter for 10. I've saved you about two days of internet searching because that's about how long it took me to get hold of all of those uh, all of those models. Just to add to that as well, we also, if, for extra information, and it's not, we can't really put it all on a plate because the points are valid that, you know, one manufacturer's extra small is not the same as somebody else's. So ultimately, the only way to really find out if it fits you is to swing your leg over it in a shop. That's ultimately the only way. But our article at least gives you a head start and points you in the right direction. And we do have an awful lot of data on all of those bikes that Hannah's listed in that story, including some calculated rider height data for the measurements of the bike. So if you actually do look at that story, do dig a bit deeper. There's a link on each of those bikes that takes you to a page that details everything 
that you could geekily ever imagine you'd need to know about that bike from its reach figures, its standover heights, its rider recommended minimums and maximum heights. So, but it, yeah, it's a great tool to get started if you're in that market, isn't it, Anna? Yeah, it shows you which brands might have something for you because there's actually quite a lot of brands that don't. They just don't. Uh, yeah, make I've got a, quite a short friend that was quite disheartened when trying to buy a new mountain bike because all so the first five or so places she went to. She was nowhere near the size chart for their smaller one and it just sets you off on a bad tone for bike shopping. So, yeah, it is useful. And the the other thing is is that the, um, the manufacturers will get in a range of sizes based on the bell curve of people's average heights. And so they'll get in 60% of their bikes will be mediums and larges and then there'll be fewer and fewer, smaller and extra small, extra large. So they may only get three extra small bikes in for the year because they don't see that many customers. So buy while you can. And some of them, some of the brands make an extra small in one country and, or, or they bring them into one country, but they don't bring them into another. Okay, so that's another news story. What about, what about Amanda? Which is your notable news story of the week from the website? My notable news this week is that the magazine is about to go to the printers. So what date is it? It's the, wait. When is this going to go out? Well, right now, oh, it's the 16th of March and the subs cutoff is the 25th of March. So there's still plenty of time to subscribe. And this, I think we say it every time. Well, we definitely do, but this is a really good looking magazine. It's been quite hard to work on because every photo needs to go on as a double page spread, but there's only so much paper. So it's been a tricky one to put together. And it's nearly done. Uh, there's, an, there's an article in there that features me in this issue. Which is, there is. There is, yeah, and so. you're having a good time. I was going to say, you're well, smiling. Yeah. You're riding with Sunny and smiling. That's a rarity. That doesn't <laughs> happen of. often because his, uh, his adventures tend to be disasters. <laughs> <laughs> but this one wasn't. It was good, but it's got a bit of a historical context as well. We know, You noted there, Amanda, that we have a subscriptions cut off of the 25th. Hannah, what, what's... What does that mean? What's the cutoff about? So we have to basically print the address labels. That's pretty much what happens. And at some point we have to decide we're going to print the address labels. And so that's what we do on the 25th. So if you haven't got your name on the list by the 25th of March uh, at noon, then you're too late to get a print version. If you join after that, you'll be able to get the PDF of that magazine online and all the back issues but you won't be able to get any fancy interactive versions, digital versions, or the print version posted direct to your door. You could just go and buy it from the shop, I suppose. Our shop, web shop. Oh, to be clear, yeah. It's not in normal <laughs> shops, it's in the web shop. But yeah, that's what it's about, is we have to print address labels at some point. Chips, any? can you give us a little teaser about what your editorial might be about on this issue? Chips? Chips, are you there? Freets. Freets, Chip and Dale. <laughs> Monsieur Freets. I think we've lost Chips. <laughs> the cheese oh, that, truck has it. gone past and distracted him. <laughs> I imagine the cheese truck coming. Yeah, I imagine the cheese truck being like the French equivalent of an ice cream van, that it has like a little tune oh. that it plays and drives down the street. Anyway, we've <laughs> lost Chips uh, from the Pyrenees. He's, some, he's lost somewhere in the mountain with no internet, so we, we, we shall carry on without him. Yeah. Maybe he'll tune back in later. We shall see. 
So anyway, that's I would say that that's the news in news roundup in brief. I mean, there's mm-hmm. lots of other stories that you can check out on there. With I think this week in particular has been it's been a good crop of stories. <sighs> it's been quite fast and furious. My fingers are tired. Yeah. Yeah, so do go and check out singletrackworld.com. Check out all the news stories of the week. We stick stories up there every day so you can keep abreast of everything. And uh, do tell us what you think in the comments. But right now, we're just going to take a brief break and then we're going to be right back with what has caught our eye this week. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, welcome back. Right, okay. This section we call What's Caught Our Eye. And what we're talking about here is... um, It can be anything from our website. It can be anything from the world at large. It can be dare I say it, political. It could be anything. But um, I'm gonna, we're going to kick off with Hannah, first of all, and I'm going to trigger Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah wrote a column, which we published today. Today is, what's the recording day today? It's Thursday. Mm-hmm. It's Thursday 16. And, and I woke up this morning to a message from Hannah on my phone saying, am I allowed to post this? <laughs> what, what was it, Hannah? What has triggered you? To at uh, the early hours of this morning, was it you? You, I your wrote poor it in the late hours of be, last night. <laughs> your poor keyboard must be battered. Yeah. Well, it started a week ago, so uh, this morning or today's column is about the budget. It's it's my response to the government's budget, which is set against the context of last week. The government slashed the funding for active travel projects. At the same time, you might have remembered that they delayed HS2. And in that same announcement, buried in the bottom of it, and they said, oh, well, we're going to stop making uh, £380 million off the uh, active travel budget, which is what funds cycling and walking um, infrastructure and initiatives. So, so they did that last week. And then in the budget, they managed to find uh, or continue to find... £4.8 billion a year in frozen fuel duty. That 5p uh, freeze on on fuel that saves the average driver about £100 a year costs the government £4.8 billion a year. And then on top of that, they're going to spend some money on carbon capture schemes. A, A billion pounds a year for the next 20 years, they're going to invest in carbon capture, which at the moment doesn't really work. Uh, the carbon capture that has happened has by and large been uh, carbon that's captured and then used to extract more oil 
Um, so that's actually not capturing carbon and then yeah the carbon then gets released anyway yeah so um it is not saving the planet so yeah it just seems like the most short-sighted set of policy decisions possible and i'm quite cross yep uh, i think <laughs> it comes across quite clearly not only in in your voice right now but also in the actual detailed column that you've actually written but uh, it was members only that one so make sure if you are one of our members, you head over to the website and, and give that your full attention. I think Hannah it's only demands a few it. Words. It's, well, it's quite short. It's quite <laughs> short, but you can you can detect from it that your keyboard must be broken. But uh, yeah, it's a good column. I think there's a. I did mention that, you know if there's a counterpoint to it, and there's always a counterpoint to an opinion piece, no matter how justified it is, is that it's that saving for motorists as much as we would like all of that money to go into funding cycling infrastructure and getting people out of cars for some people they can't get out of cars there are some people who rely on their cars and there's some people who rely on their cars who don't have a lot of money in the cost of living crisis and they might welcome that fuel duty delay and saving so in in terms of that in the context of that how do you answer that how how do, how do you answer those people, Hannah? But it's just like a massive blanket benefit that really benefits the people who drive around in gas guzzlers more than mm. it benefits the people who can't even afford to get on their local bus. Because if you can afford a car, you probably, you know, you either totally depend on it and clapping, driving around in a total banger, or, uh, yeah, you, you're doing all right. But... Yeah, it's too. It's a it's a big blanket thing. There must be better ways of of dealing with that. Minimum wage. How about that? How about a living wage? Oh, let's just branch off into many other decisions that the government could be making. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's four point eight billion, and with, you, you've actually actually made the point that actually kind of that's actually over two years, isn't it? So it's more like no. ten billion because there's the, there's the saving from because the ju fuel duty was frozen or reduced last year yes it's been reduced again for another year so the yeah. amount of money that the treasury is not getting is closer to about 10 billion because yeah. of this policy you could probably put on like for... free ubers for everyone that lives out in the countryside at that price <laughs> you know? and how much how much has been slashed from the uh, sustainable transport infrastructure Three, project 380 million which means that it's i think that's right i'll just double check that i think it's 380 million there's some debate about it actually like i have asked the department for transport on more than one occasion what they are calculating the cut to be um because they've said what they're going to spend in future but yeah it's all a bit sort of unclear mm. as you might expect uh sustrans and let me just i think it's like it's some people say it's 200 million cut, cut off and some saying it's 380 million cut off but it's mm. you know small potatoes compared to best part of 10 billion um on on fuel and uh, hey 11 billion on on arms which is also on defense which they've also found yes <laughs> It's funny, isn't it? It, it? As political as we get. 
when it comes to certain things, the government says there is no money. We have to make these savings. And then all of a sudden they conjure up a whole ton of it for different things. Yeah. But, and uh, active travel anyway. is like a really efficient thing to invest in because it helps people be healthy as well and helps people be mentally healthy. Um, so it keeps people out of the health system as well as it just being about uh, carbon footprints and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's like a super efficient multi-stranded thing that mm. helps um yeah lots of facets of life yeah i'm kind of with you there let's not mention the one percent pension thing as well let's not let's not <laughs> let's not do it no let's not go down there right we're we gonna did. move on move on we're gonna amanda move on. will have something that's cheerful surely she's all sweet of course she will it might seem it. like I've dropped out, but I just enjoy these opportunities to learn about politics here. <laughs> I really appreciate it after my previous job, where I think everyone voted leave there, and topics of conversation outside of what we sold were uh, things like protein powder. Best, best. I appreciate the extra learning. <laughs> What's caught your eye this week, Amanda? I don't, it's not a positive thing. So, and I'm a bit, I'm sad that Chips isn't here because he would have had something to say, I'm sure. So, Kristen Faulkner was disqualified from her third place in the Strada Bianchi because she was wearing a glucose monitor, which is against UCI rules. But her post says, I won't read the whole thing out, but she was disqualified for wearing a Super Sapiens glucose monitor, um, even though... She doesn't use glucose data in competition. She never has. She provided ample evidence to the UCI. She complied with all their requests, sent them an honest, detailed explanation with evidence that no race data was ever transmitted during or after the race. Um, and they still disqualified her, which uh, it's road racing. So I appreciate some people may not have watched this, but I make a point of watching the women's road racing. And she was in the lead for the most part. She'd had a massive crash, which I didn't actually see because they don't give full co coverage to the women. But she's got, like, her skin suit is torn to bits. She's bleeding out of various places. She must have been in agony. And she was leading the race for a long time until she got, um, well, a, a team of two sort of sniped it at the end. But to take it from her when she's proved that she wasn't using it to her advantage. I don't actually know how these monitors work, but I don't think it's a disposable thing. So if you use one for your training, turn it off should be enough, not actually take it off. So are there any other reasons why she was wearing it? Was it is it just it's a training aid? Yeah, but it's you could argue that if I mean there's the fact that she wasn't actually using it in the race, but if they see it as a training aid, then having your input and your output, so wearing a heart rate monitor and using a power sensor, that's a training aid because you can pace yourself with it. You know, like the, the data you can get from heart rate and power is an advantage. So I don't know at what point, like the UCI have got quite archaic rules, haven't they? I don't know. Well... <laughs> that's that's the truth. Yeah. Especially when it comes just... to road riding. Seems weird. Does uh, it there's no advantage of having it in a race? 
so uh, the way I understand it, it would tell you if you're having a drop or a spike. So it would aid you with your fueling. But she proved that she wasn't using it. And also, like, I've got an insulin issue. It's just sort of called insulin resistance, but I get spikes and drops in it. I'm the type of person that would benefit from using one. I don't, but you don't know. So insulin is a hormone. It's, I don't want to say it's only an issue for women, but women, athletic women and insulin is a thing that you can't just like make a rule. No, you can't monitor that. It seems really, I mean, on the face of it, if she's actually declared everything to the UCI before the race and she's told them and, she's, and then they let her race and then they've disqualified her after the race. Well, that does sound like typical UCI to me. She didn't tell them beforehand. It's, so I noticed it in the race. You could see it's like a little patch and you could see it under a jersey. And I, when I saw it, thought, yeah, fair play. Like, if you've got any issues hormonally or, like, you know, any diet, I can't find the words because I'm, I'm still trying to learn about it. But, like, certain intolerances with food or there's loads of reasons why you could want to monitor it or should be monitoring it. So... I I saw she had it on and I started researching them and thought, yeah, that'd be a great thing to have, a better understanding of your body and know how to respond to certain things. Like I get, I just call it jelly legs, but it's something to do with my insulin where I can't turn the pedals anymore and my head goes and I have to just stop moving and eat something. So well, this, this they saw it, like it, as did everyone else, and then obviously got in touch and she given all the proof that she wasn't using it but they've still said yeah no you're disqualified and it just seems so, really so she wasn't using it shit. to uh, like regulate what she ate or anything during the race she was using it to collect data to then be able to analyze afterwards no presumably. she wasn't even collecting data during the race so it says uh, i was What's under the, the impression i could race there? with my device if it didn't record any data because there's no performance advantage whatsoever all I can think is that it's if she wears one all the time, in her mind, if it's recording no data and she's like turned it off, why take it off? I don't. I mean, yeah. it's a thing that sticks like pins into your arm. I think. So. I'm, I'm searching the internet to look at it. It's. I can see both sides of it. I can, but I just think if you've proved all that and. But even if it's a live data thing, even if you could see your own levels on a on a screen, don't, you know, if you think about the the technology that goes into things like the Tour de France and the telemetry that is beamed from every rider back to their team car that's riding behind them, and they've got radio contact and they've been told all the time it's time to eat, your performance has dropped, your cadence has done this, you've done that. You've got somebody sat in a car literally monitoring every part. They have heart rate monitors on. Everything is tracked. That's, there does seem to be. Thought. There seems to be a bit. Yeah, this just sounds like typical UCI. So it'd be it very should... interesting to follow this one, Amanda. You should keep up to date on this and, and, and yeah. let us know where this leads. I'd just, I'd be interested to know 
why they wouldn't see this as an opportunity to maybe consider it or look into it. Yeah, because it's that knee-jerk reaction of the UCI. They go, oh no, yeah. something here, we must ban it. You're disqualified without actually And it's not as if she won. It's like she put up such a fight. It's it's so good to watch. Like It was one of the best races, and I do generally find road racing boring and frustrating because it's just loads of cars and helicopters and danger to riders, and I hate everything about it, but I make a point of watching the women's ones because it's one extra view, so it might get them better coverage. Eventually. Can I confess that I actually follow the Tour de France every year religiously and absolutely <laughs> love it? Right, okay, let's move on from well, that before we t- My, my I, cynical I like response would be... <laughs> my cynical response would be, I wonder who else makes a glucose monitoring system other than Super Sapiens that the UCI is about to announce a deal with. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Yeah, I won't pull that past them at all. <laughs> right. Anyway, let's move on from that. That's really interesting, actually. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go away and start googling myself after this, which is. Uh, oh, you love a bit of uh, monitoring, warm. yeah. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anything like that. Not that I, I'm not going to wire myself up. My my glucose levels are, are <laughs> probably best left unknown. <laughs> is how I would put it. But anyway, no. What's caught, I'll tell you what's caught my eye this week. This is interesting, and I want to get your talk, your your thoughts on this because I think this is a bit of an existential issue here. Uh, don't tune out. I think it's quite interesting. We here at Single Track, I think we've got a track record of our, in our twenty two years of kind of, I'd say, more than just acceptance of our so called competitors, but actually, I think almost like an affection, sometimes a love, of our sort of media. Uh, partners or, or media competitors, they're not partners as such. So what I'm talking about here is other other magazines and other websites. So I'm talking about MBUK, I'm talking about uh, American magazines, I'm talking past and present, ones that have uh, been and gone. And uh, and it sometimes it can look a little competitive between us, uh, but I think the truth actually of the matter is that we, the bike industry and certainly the media industry is so small that basically we, we know everybody. We know everybody from all the other magazines. And when we go on trips and events, we end up meeting them and socializing with them. And a lot of them we've come to know as our friends. So that is the context behind why when we report sometimes on another magazine that's shut or another website that's gone bust, we do it with a sense of sadness. There's never any glee in it because we know the people behind it. And we often, you know, they're our friends quite more often than not. So anyway, in a counterpoint to that, something strange happened this week. One of the previous casualties of media closures, uh, and it's a big one, Bike Mag, which is an American magazine. It's been around for pretty much longer than Single Track's been around, and we've been around for 22 years. Um, And it closed, when did it shut down? Was it a year ago, two years ago? I'm not entirely... 18 months, I think, yeah. Yeah, something like one to two years ago, it announced that it was closing. So the print disappeared. All the writers were all laid off. It was sad. Some of the writers that were writing for Bike Mag have actually written for Single Track. Mike Ferentino is a name that some people will probably be able to remember. So it was a sad day when Bike Mag closed. Anyway, this week, it's back, which is great. That's good. You know, one of these uh, sort of pivotal titles, these influential media 
magazines from the past couple of decades when it comes to, this has never happened actually a, a title that's disappeared suddenly coming back this is great except it's all a bit weird because the magazine the print magazine certainly isn't back the website is and it's full of content but I don't know how how would we describe how would you describe the content that's popped up on Bite Mag this week? It's uh, like lad Bible. Holy Resurrection Batman. There's a I'm sure there's a there's a there's a there's a meme out there, isn't there? We could put into but it's it's an audio podcast, so you can't do it. But imagine Holy Resurrection Batman. Um, how would you describe the stories that's popped it's, up on there, Hannah? It's like lad Bible, isn't it? It's, it's all it's no it's it's worse than lab bible because lab bible can be funny uh it's those things that appear at the bottom of stories on local newspapers and then if you ever click on them they don't actually lead to anything like what appeared to be in the story i can read you um, some examples clickbait uh, find find an example for us Hannah. Go on, so do that. tiktoker shares key mtb safety tips for doing wheelies um, uh, let's Imagine see. what that story is. It's just a TikTok embed, isn't it? I, I don't even want to click. Parody yeah. of mountain bikers emerging in sprint is so spot on. Um, watch hiker makes rude comment to mountain biker as she passes him on trail. Uh, That's yeah. news. <laughs> Footage of mountain biker wiping out on rocky trail is tough to watch. But it's not mm. just Bite Mag, okay? It's the the sibling publication Powder as well. So, uh, oh, Skier God. makes admission about the cat track everyone can relate to. Man surprises Skiers with a gondola bar, and it's legit. <laughs> it looks to me like they're just relying on all social media platforms to fill the site with stories, big or small. Which is well, what he, places he, like yeah. the Daily Mail do. They just go on Reddit, sort by controversial, and then post it. It's, yeah. And I've got another theory that's what's going on here as well, which is that I think there's actually probably, it's likely there are no journalists whatsoever behind this, that Ooh. this is entirely AI-powered. I strongly suspect that beyond a little bit of sub-editing, the, the vast majority, if not all the content that's popping up on bike and powder now are um, generated by AI. It's another chat GPT kind of deal. I've been seeing this um, in the publishing industry uh, over the last six months that there's a kind of an existential threat that is being discussed. Is, is this the end of journalism? Do we need journalists? Can we not just get AI? to write all of our content for us. I mean, you you've played around mail, with it already. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> well, yes, maybe. I mean, the thing is, the, what we're talking about, we're talking about clickbait headlines only. The, 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 that's content that's literally designed. The, the only purpose of any of that content is literally to come up with a headline that's going to make people go, ooh, click. And uh, I've always had a theory of clickbait. I mean, we've, we've actually been accused of clickbait ourselves now and again. Uh, I, my counter, my counter argument, my justification for that is that clickbait is only clickbait if what you read once you've clicked the headline does not deliver what the headline promises. So uh, you could be uh, five. We did a story, and it was deliberately to test this theory. Uh, we did a, a story of uh, five. I think it was about seven ways to fix a puncture, and you won't believe number three. 
which is absolute classic clickbait title, isn't it? Yeah. But we made it so that we did seven ways to fix a puncture, and each one was a genuine different way that you could fix a puncture. And number three was pretty unbelievable. It was basically tie a knot, cut your inner tube in half, and tie two knots in the in the ends of it, and put it back in your in your in your tire and pump it up. Kind of unbelievable. So I disagree with anyone who says that that was a clickbait title, because number three genuinely was pretty unbelievable. So clickbait is only clickbait if it doesn't deliver what the headline promises. But it's so those titles I think have been very cleverly constructed using the, the headlines certainly. There's a there's a definite whiff of AI behind those headlines, mm. and um, and and funny enough, Google in December actually did a bit of an update to its search to actually specifically downrate headlines and content like what is now appearing in the new resurrected Bike Mag and uh, and Powder magazines. So it's interesting. Do you feel under threat from AI written content, Hannah? Uh, not if that's the standard of content. I mean, there's a place for, like, aggregating social media stuff, but mm, we go on social media to find it ourselves, don't we? But surely you want some sort of integrity and real um, appraisal of, or joining up of facts and um, ideas, rather than just, here's, here's someone falling off a bike. Um, so you you don't feel that articles are going to get written by AI and you're going to be put out of a job, or you're just going to get turned into a sub-editor of AI? Well, I hope not. <laughs> Fairly soul-destroying, wouldn't it? No. Yeah, I mean, I've, I have been playing with it this week, and it is really, really impressive. But it's... I don't think... I think you can... I, I think single track, uh, certainly, I mean, our, the relationship we have with our readers is that I think there's a tone that we put into our content that is easily detectable and easily... There's a style there that's easily mm. found. And that style comes from a... It's it's a... I don't know what it is. It's, it's built into the very fabric of single track and, and what we are, that tone of how we write. And I'm not anticipating that an AI is going to be able to come up with a sort of a... A way of doing. It's a bit like what, what's the uh, the test for intelligence? You have a conversation. It's the Turing test. You have mm. a conversation over a computer with something or someone, and if you, as the human at one end of that conversation, cannot tell that it's a computer at the other end, if you think it's a human, then surely that is that passes the Turing test, and that is artificially intelligent. That's the kind of like a definition. But I kind of hope, I kind of, well, I kind of believe, and I have to believe this, I think, that if we had a lot of, if we had our readers, and certainly if we aggregated their opinions and we put a piece in front of them and we said to them, did we write that? Or did a computer write this? I think that our readers would be able to tell because I think we have a bit of a unique style that I don't think can be replicated. I hope not. Maybe I'm just being a bit naive and arrogant there. But uh, yeah, so anyway, Bike Mag is back, but it's kind of not. And it's all a bit weird and don't understand what's going on behind that. Amanda, you're not out of this being art director because you know that the AIs can now actually do design and create images. Yeah. Are you, are How you do you think the magazine's so on time? <laughs> no, I've not. I've not used it. <laughs> I used it. I've got two owls on a on bicycles on a blanket um 
done for my wedding invite by AI. I did not draw those. I'm offended that you didn't ask me. You were on holiday. It's only just the kids. I I, I used it a few weeks ago as well. We did something, I think it was a podcast actually, and I was looking for an image to illustrate the podcast. And we were talking about marketing in mountain biking and how it's bad and not really up to scratch sometimes, you know, some of the marketing ideas and concepts. And I wanted to, I wanted some sort of image to illustrate it. So I asked the image creator, um, show me, and this was, show me mountain bikers surfing a wave in the style of the Guinness advert from the 90s. Uh. And it did. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is a kind of a picture, and it's got all it's got these mountain bikers like surfing away, and it's but you can tell it's AI because it's all kind of weird and morphed, and things don't really look right. I haven't noticed. Haven't looked. (laughs) Have you not looked at that? You should go back and check that one out. I think it's the podcast from maybe two weeks ago, two two or three weeks ago. Just check it out. But uh, yeah, I let AI do that. uh, Sorry, Amanda. Does that does that make you worried? Could you have done a better job of getting mountain bikers surfing a wave? (laughs) Uh, Right, so... I haven't seen the picture either, but I'm going to have a look. But please know, when I'm on holiday, I've got Photoshop on my phone. But when you're on holiday, you're on holiday. Um, But you're on holiday. This is my wedding, not work. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm your friend. Yeah, I knew you'd be upset by the design of my invite. Yeah. (laughs) That's why I didn't respond. I I think we should probably round this up. I think we've gone on enough. I mean, Hannah's just alluded there. One thing we need to say is Hannah's getting married soon. Well, oh. when's the date, Hannah? June. June. June the what? <laughs> are you going to publicly tell people? Or do you think people are going to gate crash your wedding? Well, no, they're not going to gate crash my wedding because I'm just going to the registry office. Just, yeah. Low key. Mm-hmm. We're having a party though, aren't we? Yes. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another single track wedding. Hey, Amanda. We what? should do that as a podcast <laughs> some week. The 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 dating agency that is single track. We need chips oh, for that. Been... We need him to sort the sort the internets um, in the Pyrenees. Can yeah. I just add um, the other day Reese was doing a certain stretch to activate his glute, but <laughs> where I don't know where, where this I is was going. basically it it looked like he'd got down on one knee and I was stood near him. And I just looked down and went, no, I'm not going to marry you. And he's, he's I hope he's not listening You would. <laughs> he said, you would. And then it turned into a quite a serious, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> and on that note, listeners, I think we're going to draw this to a close. <laughs> so anyway... That that's all for this week. Hopefully, next time we'll be able to keep chips in from the start right the way through to the end. Um, but uh, until next time, everybody, that's goodbye from me and goodbye from the rest of the team. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? 
Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com slash covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. Warbyparker.com slash covered. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.